When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the final show of July. Football season is inching closer each and every day, and I am getting pumped. Welcome into episode 41 of MLab Spartan Confidential Podcast. It is Tuesday, July 27th, 2021. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, joined once again by Matt Wenzel, uh, but also Kyle Austin making his long-awaited return. Kyle, the listeners were clamoring for it. Thousands of emails rolling in, asking where you are, wondering if you'd found something better to do with your time. Uh, But here you are, giving the people what they want. I, I, I squeezed a little time in between my golf rounds uh, to record a podcast this week, but, uh, but, but no promises the rest of the summer. <laughs> well, I don't blame you for that. You guys got a long off season. Uh, Matt is also back fresh off Big Ten media days. How's it going, Matt? Uh, just fine. Usual. Uh, it's a little wake-up call that uh, the season is right around the corner. So we're all 14 coaches talk uh, well, Thursday and Friday in Indianapolis and obviously the goal for all of them is to uh, to return to the same spot uh, this season. <laughs> exactly. Um, if you could please like, rate, interview the podcast wherever you're listening would be very much appreciated. I see we continue to get a couple of those uh, trickling in on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate that. Really helps us out uh, and makes our bosses happy. So <laughs> thanks. Uh, and you can also check out our work on mlive.com slash Spartans and hit us up on Twitter if you have any questions. Most of you know where to find us. We are having some internet issues at the moment, so uh, if if we if you hear some of us cut in and out or something freeze, then uh, that's kind of what's going on here. Um, so again, coming up on today's show, we got more football talk. Matt's quick takeaways from media days in Indianapolis. We'll also be finishing up our pre-camp position previews with two of the more mysterious position groups on the team. Uh, That would be linebackers in the secondary. We'll also briefly touch on Matt's favorite subject, the special teams, uh, if we have time, and weigh in on a big commitment the Spartans received this week. But first, since Kyle's here, some quick basketball talk. It's been a while since we've touched on the basketball team, Uh, but the NBA draft is this week on Thursday night. Uh, Obviously, in this state, in the state of Michigan, most of the focus is on the Detroit Pistons, who have the number one pick, likely drafting Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State. But uh, Michigan State's Aaron Henry is also in the player pool. Um, Most mocks I see have him as like a second round, most likely, but I have seen a couple that have him at the back of the first, and then I've seen some that have him completely undrafted. So, uh, Kyle, another one of these sort of fringe prospects coming from Michigan State. Uh, what are you looking for ahead of the draft when it comes to Henry? 
Yeah, it uh, it seems like they've had a fair amount of these um, in the last few years. And, um, you know, it, it, it seemed like he pretty much ended the season, you know, seen as a second round pick. Um, and, and there was some thought that maybe he could move up with a good pre-draft process, as, as a lot of guys look to do, but um, ended up getting a little hurt. Uh, I think it was a quad injury at the NBA Combine, so wasn't able to do much there, and I think was a little limited um, in the workouts he was able to do. Uh, was able to do uh, a group workout in Minneapolis and then a, um, a team workout with the Denver Nuggets. So he has gotten on the court. He has um, you know, shown some people that he's healthy and done some things, but I, I get the sense he kind of missed out on his opportunity to move up to F forwards a little bit because where where most people have him mocked now is pretty much where it started is in the forties, and um, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, with his shooting. You know, for everything he did well for Michigan State um, throughout his career, and especially at the end of his Michigan State career. Um, never really saw that shooting percentage go up, um, never really turned into, um, you know, an NBA caliber shooter. And, and that can come, you know, teams will do after mom potential and there have been guys that have developed that. But I think that's the biggest question mark right now and maybe the thing that's holding him out of the first round. Yeah, I mean, obviously Michigan State fans know Aaron Henry last year uh, basically willed the Spartans to the to the NCAA tournament. I mean, he was the heart and soul of the team. There was games where he just took over down the stretch, particularly against some of the better teams they played, and really is the reason that they're in the tournament. I mean, I think you take Aaron Henry off that team last year, and you're looking at a Big Ten bottom feeder, potentially. Uh, so, I mean, with Spartan fans, you know, I know that doesn't matter for NBA draft analysis, but obviously Aaron Henry is a guy who uh, is in, held in high regard as far as Spartan fans are concerned uh, because of what he did last year. But, yeah, I mean, just if, if you look at the numbers, I think it was, yeah – at the combine, he was going to play in a game, uh, like a, a scrimmage game, I remember, and then he got scratched right before. So that was obviously a missed opportunity to go against some of the guys in his class. But from a straight number standpoint, I mean, 15 points, five rebounds, 3.6 assists last year. But yeah, the shooting, he's got the size, 6'6", 210. He's an athletic guy. We know he can get to the rim, as we saw against like Michigan and some other teams, but the shooting in the NBA these days, that's what you want. The shooting in only 29.6% from three this last year. That's the worst mark in his three years at Michigan State. And uh, for someone who, you know, he's shown the ability to get to the rim, but in the modern NBA, you have to be able to shoot the ball. Right. And it's, it's like he has everything except kind of the number one attribute on the board for NBA teams. You know, I mean, he can defend. Um, I think he handles the ball pretty well. Um, you know, he, he, um, he passes pretty well. I think he does a lot of things and, and that's why he, he saw so much time on the floor going back to when he was a three-star freshman. There's not a lot of holes in his game and that's going to appeal to some people, but, um, yeah, offensively, I mean, he strikes me as a guy that's, that's going to probably spend a lot of time in the G league next year, uh, depending on which team he goes to, how he does in summer league, that sort of thing. But probably a guy who's going to end up in the G league with a lot of guys kind of like him and, and going to have to fight his way there. And we've seen a lot of guys do that. You know, that's not, um, that's not a bad path. Um, uh, but I, I, I think that's probably where he's looking at um, for him. And, um, but, you know, I, I look at, you know, Bryn Forbes. Um, I don't know if you saw this this morning. He, he's uh, becoming a free agent again. Guy just won an NBA title. Um, obviously, he's got the shooting, so that's what you want. But that guy that went undrafted, went through the G League, um, kind of found his position, found a good development uh, opportunity. So the, the opportunity there, I, I think there's more chances for those type of guys 
to make it to the league than there were five, 10 years ago. Um, but, um, but that, that's probably what Aaron Henry's looking at here in the next uh, 12 months. Yeah, and if you just even want to look at that same team, Chris Middleton was a second-round pick, and now right. he's an all-NBA player. So, I mean, it, it can definitely happen. Uh, we won't talk about who actually drafted Chris Middleton in the second round and then traded in for peanuts. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but um, I mean, Aaron Henry, the thing that he does have going for him is the size and athleticism, right? He has an NBA body, right. so he can play – I think, you know, he doesn't have like, that's probably one of the biggest things holding Cassius Winston back is just his, his slight frame and his, you know, he's not the most athletic guy. So, you know, Aaron Henry at least doesn't have to worry about that. I see his NBA ceiling is maybe someone who could work his way up in a couple of years and, and maybe be like a second unit rotation guy uh, on the wing. What, what about you? Yeah, I, I see that. I was just, I was just going to say second rotation. Um, I, I, I see him as a guy that could, really kind of focus on his defense and make that his calling card too. Um, I'm not sure he was a good defender at Michigan state. I don't think he was a shut down standout guy, but I think talking about the athleticism, I think he's got the ability to do that. Um, and I, I think if he had to kind of pick one attribute, cause I mean, he was a do everything guy for Michigan state, but that doesn't matter anymore. You know, he's not going to be a do everything guy, for something, have it be your calling card. And I, and I think he could probably, um, have that be his thing, you know, a second unit guy um, who's really going to lock you down, not make a lot of mistakes and, and cause trouble for other teams. I could see that as, as a role for him if he makes it to the NBA. Well, we'll find out soon enough. Uh, he's really the only, the only Spartan prospect we're looking at. Obviously, Michigan's Franz Wagner also in the field, and he's considered a, a higher caliber um, uh, prospect so uh we'll see what happens aaron henry obviously a great career at michigan state we we touched on that you know in in previous episodes i mean he he really came in right away and was an impact player and, and just continued to get better and become more of a leader so uh credit to tom Izzo and the staff he was a great find as a three-star uh, out of indianapolis so um obviously a great spartan player and we all uh, wish him the best as he tries to take the next step in the nba so uh, let's move on to football. And Kyle, uh, I know you haven't been here for a lot of our football conversations, so feel free to chime in whenever you want. But uh, Matt was in Indianapolis uh, last week for Big Ten Media Days. Uh, and Matt, it turns out that every team is doing things the right way. Everyone is in the best shape of their life. Uh, every young player has come in stronger. Uh, am I missing anything else? Oh, they're excited, excited to be here. Is, <laughs> Uh, I think I said something that Scott Frost said it like 14 times or 20 times or whatever in his 15 minute podium um, session. So yeah, everybody was excited to be there um, except maybe Mike Loxley. I don't think he got a question on the stage during his intro stuff, but yeah, um, that was weird. Yeah. I mean, it's the typical stuff, you know, everything's sunshine and roses at this point of year because everybody's undefeated and, and it's all opportunities or what's Mel say uh, green grass and opportunities, I think is the, is the line. Um, so <laughs> What it's I'm, all out there. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it is what it is. It's coach speak. Uh, you know, everyone's trying to hype up their team. Everyone's trying to get the fan bases excited. Uh, Mel, though, with a very fiery, at least, the, I mean, I know you guys got to talk to him off camera for an extended period of time. So I'd be curious to see what your big takeaways from that conversation was. Or, I mean, I'm sure it was just nice to see him in person. But uh, he was very fiery, at least in the Big Ten uh, portion that was aired on TV. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I, the big takeaway from from what he said that everybody else could see was, you know, him, you know, touching on the fact that people say, hey, you know, this is like year one for you. And, you know, given all the complications of last season and said, you know, this is not year one, this is year two. 
And he went on to elaborate on that later, basically saying, you know, what happened last year isn't swept under the rug. You know, we own it, we evaluate it, and we move forward. So basically, you know, he's not taking a free pass for last year, even though most people grant him one because it's just, you know, a wild off season. They didn't have the adequate amount of preparation time to get ready. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that showed obviously in the results um, being extremely inconsistent. So um, as far as the rest of it, I mean, he, he said, you know, with, with all the roster turnover, he feels they have a stronger, more competitive team. There's more competitiveness across the board just because of the new additions. Um, you know, there were, despite a lot of these guys, these transfers and freshmen coming in in May, he said he feels that they're, uh, light years ahead in knowing the roster compared to last year. Um, how much better this team will be. He feels it is a better team. How much better that actually is, um, is, is to be determined. Obviously, we'll, we'll see when the games actually start. Um, quarterback competition is a open competition for everybody wondering. Uh, it is exactly pretty much where it was in the, the end of spring practice. But uh, the goal is to uh, settle it in fall camp. So, uh, again, you know, it's, it's Russo and Thorns, what you're looking at there. Um, and then of note, he said uh, they were the team is almost 90% vaccinated, which is obviously key because we've yet to see what the Big Ten is going to do. Kevin Warren sidestepped the issue for the most part on, on Thursday when he spoke because we'd seen earlier in the week Greg Sankey from the SEC had said, you know, we are not going to postpone games. If you can't play, it's basically, he said, the word comes up is forfeit, so that's basically saying if, if there's a game that can't be played, the team that is responsible for it not being able to be played will take a loss. And I think you're going to see that across the board, I, I think, this season. So for everybody wondering why this matters, that's why it matters. And also, if you're, you know, Mel had said, you know, the players that, um, that are vaccinated, they only have to test if they're symptomatic. Those who aren't vaccinated have to do the spit test six days a week. Um, and he basically said that, you know, when, when looking at a position competition – you know, if, if it's, you know, somebody's status, you know, you're, whether you're vaccinated or not, could, could have, you know, determined that, you know, I mean, if you got guys that are head to head and one of them could be lost for a couple of weeks at a, you know, the turn of a dime, if they test positive or, or something, um, that factors. So anyway, that's pretty much where Michigan State's at coming out of media days. They report to fall camp on the fourth, which is Wednesday, I believe. And first practice is the fifth. Yeah, and we've seen that in the NBA, or, uh, the NFL too, where like if the, some of these fringe roster guys are competing for spots, and I suspect we will see it in camp. Is um, if 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 an unvaccinated guy and a vaccinated guy are close for a roster spot, the coach is probably going to take the uh, the vaccinated guy. So I mean, that, it's just like this whole new dynamic of uh, that we have in, injected into uh or maybe that's a bad word <laughs> but uh that we have uh yeah. you know <laughs> put into the dynamic of roster building and uh just team building and this could be i mean we've already seen in the nfl we've seen in college that um you know it could turn into a debate amongst teammates so it's just a whole nother level and a whole nother uh variable to throw into a team dynamic with the with this vaccination stuff yeah, we were driving back from Indianapolis on Friday, uh, and I told Aaron McMahon, our Michigan football writer, that if you told, told me, you know, 18 or, you know, two years ago that the story I would be writing in the car driving back from, from Big Ten Media Days was about vaccinations, I wouldn't have believed you, but um, that's where we're at, obviously, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Um, again, getting back to it, big, uh, Kevin Warren said, they have... Um, decentralized the 
protocols or the process for handling COVID within the universities. Each school is going to present its own plan to the Big Ten. They will then form their own, um, you know, they will have to come up with a centralized plan that will be announced before the uh, season starts. So I would expect forfeits to be um, the deal if you can't play. There's a lot of things that have happened in the last year or so that I never thought <laughs> I'd have to deal with, but uh, that's the world we're in right now. At least we're, seems like we're going to get a little bit more normal of the season this year, but uh, obviously that remains to be seen. Um, we're going to get to uh, the last of our position previews here in a little bit, which is the secondary and the linebackers. But first we did get a, a rather notable commitment from Michigan state uh, yesterday Four-star wide receiver Antonio Gates Jr. And yes, that is the Antonio Gates that is related to the fantastic all-pro legendary uh, Hall of Fame tight end Antonio Gates. Uh, he's won, by all accounts, one of the best prospects in America. Uh, you know, the number uh, by the composite, he's the number 45 receiver in the country. Four-star kid, number 293 overall. 61185 from Dearborn Fordson. Matt, this is a kid that we know the Spartans have been on for a while. We know that they've had a relationship for a while, and I think we expected this commitment, you know, to, co to come for a long time, and we probably thought it was going to come already. Um, but uh, here he is, Antonio Gates Jr., obviously a big name because of who his, who his papa is. Um, but uh, were you surprised by the timing of this commitment? Well, I mean, it just it seemed like it took a long time. If I remember correctly, he initially said he was going to commit um, – last October. Um, so yeah, it played out a long time and you kind of, you know, yeah, I think the feeling was like, okay, you know, this is, this should be like a I don't know, done deal or, or I don't know if that's the right word, but you know what I mean? Like this is where he would end up, but um, it did play out a lot, lot, lot longer than expected. Um, and he had other offers. And so, you know, Michigan state was in the top five with Florida, Penn state, Kentucky, and Tennessee, but um, yeah, so I think, you know, with, when you look at their class, he's a third receiver in there, you know, classes get full. Um, so it may have been a situation where if they're, if they're only going to take three receivers, it's either, you know, join the group or, or, or you maybe you don't have a spot. So, um, yeah, they're at three receivers now. I don't know if they'll take another one. Um, cause that's a position where looking, you know, Mel says, you know, you want to build out of recruiting, out of high school recruiting and supplement through the portal wide receiver, is certainly a position which you could do so in the future. So, um, I'm not sure if they'll take another one this class. Well, he, I think he's the highest rated uh, recruit in the, in the class at this point, even ahead of yes. Hauser, according yeah. to the composite. So, I mean, I've heard a lot of things on this kid. I, I've heard, you know, that he's, he's obviously talented, but maybe doesn't do any one thing super well i've heard that maybe there, there was uh maybe that him and michigan state were on the rocks a little bit but then they came back together so i had heard everything from like they maybe wouldn't even take his commitment if he waited too long so uh i mean this is obviously a very talented kid and michigan state obviously is going to take him and I, I saw you know coach hawkins seemed like he was really pumped at, to get him um so i mean i don't know if any of that matters anymore because he's committed and it seems like they're accepting his commitment so i guess that's just water under the bridge we'll see where it goes from here Year. but by all accounts a very talented but raw prospect I would say what I'm wondering and Kyle you or Matt can answer this uh because it's kind of more of a general recruiting question I mean obviously we have the the Wiltshire effect of Detroit recruits at this point we saw some other Detroit kids uh reacting to Antonio Gates uh Jonathan Slack most notably re uh, uh reacting to his commitment I mean the fact that he's Antonio Gates Jr., obviously the son of Antonio Gates, do you guys see that as something that could be a boon in recruiting because you have like this sort of 
celebrity recruit or his, his father is a celebrity. I mean, that, I feel like that can only help, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, yeah, I don't know that that really will – I mean, unless Antonio Gates is <laughs> is out there signing autographs for every kid that wants to come to camp. I don't – and his son was fairly quiet in the whole recruitment thing. He wasn't one that tweeted a bunch, talked a bunch that I saw. So I don't know that it really plays a factor other than you got to um, – a commit with a very famous um, father. He might be around. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not sure it hurts. I mean, I don't know. Did uh, did, did Hunter Rise and help them out? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't stick around long enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I mean, I I think it helps for your visibility. Um, I know Antonio Gates. Um, better known for Kent State, but I think if it's uh, um, if it's a guy who went to your school, seeing their son go there, I think that I think that kind of helps, kind of keeping him in the family, um, that sort of thing. Um, but you know, as far as him just having the same name as his dad, I'm not sure that's going to sway a whole lot of other kids. Maybe if Antonio Gates is actively, uh, you know, helping out on the recruiting trail, you know, hanging out with his son, well, talking to some well, of these other recruits, like, why don't you come join? You know, I guess. Well, here's the question: Is uh, is he as good at basketball as his dad was too? That's true. You know? That's yeah. very difficult to mm-hmm. achieve. That <laughs> lead a team to what the elite eight, yeah, and you're and you're and you're then you become an NFL Hall of Famer, arguably maybe the best ever at your position without playing a single snap of college football. That's well, that's a uh, rare territory. Michigan State. I mean, they've they've pretty much made it known that they they're loving these dual sport guys, though. I mean, they got Keon, Keon Coleman, Malik Carr. You know, are both uh, kind of dual recruits. I know a lot of these guys have have eyes of being a dual recruit and a dual sport athlete but and we see often when they get to campus that it turns out that that's not exactly an easy thing to do so <laughs> we'll see what happens with that but obviously Antonio Gates a notable recruit a notable commit we'll see if he ends up signing with Michigan State but um, another good addition to the class and I think there might be a few more uh, solid additions out there in the wings as well but we will follow that as it breaks. Matt, let's get into the last uh, of our position previews here. We've, we've already done running backs and quarterbacks. We did wide receivers and tight ends. We did offensive and defensive line last week before you went to media days. Now we're going to hit the, the linebackers in the secondary. Uh, these are some position groups, and we'll start with the linebackers, where you've had a lot of turnover. Mel has really focused on bringing in new guys, either as freshmen or through the transfer portal. Um, at linebacker, you know, uh, Scotty Hazleton last year implementing the four-two-five system. So you only got two linebackers there in the middle. It was mostly Antoine Simmons and Noah Harvey and Chase Klein are really the only three guys we really saw get action last year. Antoine is gone. Noah Harvey returns. Chase Klein returns. And then you get a couple uh, big guys through the transfer portal. So how do, you, how do you size up the linebacker position coming into the season? Uh, you pretty much just did that. Uh, <laughs> Antoine Simmons is gone. Uh, your top two backups are, are back. Um, they're the only one, Harvey and Klein are the only ones, the only linebackers on the roster who took defensive snaps for them last year. Um, yeah, I mean, that's see, and then you bring in Ben Van Summeren, you bring in Quaverius Crouch, Itavian Brown, and as the three scholarship transfers. And, and that's, that's your mix for the most part with uh, Cal Halliday and, and Cole DeMarzo being freshmen who um, are coming back from last year. They didn't play on defense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's wide open. I, you know, I think, you know, Harvey is obviously a guy that they, that they like that contributed a lot. Um, and he's your top guy coming back. Um, but I think it's an open competition for both starting spots. I think, you know, basically looking at a four deep that's wide open with um, 
Crouch and Van Summeren being guys that come in with power five playing experience on defense. I would expect them both to be um, heavily in the mix for, you know, they'll contribute immediately and, and compete for starting spots and, and Harvey and Klein are right there as well. So those are the top four I look at with, you know, um, Brown being a little bit more of a, an unknown just because he, you know, he, he didn't play last year as a true freshman at Minnesota, but he's a former four-star guy. So he's obviously got some talent. Um, yeah, I'd see that as being basically just being a wide open competition at this point in time with uh, that. They obviously strengthened significantly through the portal and they signed two recruits with Ma Neoteote um, and uh, Carson Castile. And, and Neoteote was the highest rated kid in the, uh, in the 2021 class, a long time, uh, USC commit who, uh, who flipped to MSU on signing day in December. I guess if I was going to look at it, I mean, I was thinking Noah Harvey and Quavarius Crouch had the, had the leg up Harvey because he's been in the system and Crouch just because of his pedigree in the SEC. But I don't know if it's going to matter. I think all four of those guys are going to get on the field quite a bit. I mean, <clears throat> and there's going to be injuries like always. So I think it is good. I mean, we saw last year they just didn't have the depth. So to, to bring in yeah. these guys, to bring in, you know, a, a four-star freshman just to help compete and on, in practice and in, in the locker room, I think it's just going to improve this position group significantly. I guess I'm wondering, in the 4-2-5, I mean, it, it's a different style of defense than Michigan State has played in the past with just the two linebackers. What, I mean, linebackers traditionally, they're, they're the heart and soul of the defense. We know Antoine Simmons was last year. I, I mean, I don't know how much you, you know, know about schemes and stuff, Matt, but I mean, I guess I'm just like, what, with just the two linebackers, how does that change things for them? Do they have more responsibility on the field or is it just sort of different responsibilities or does that kind of vary by the player? It's actually funny because uh, I think it was um, Drew Beasley on, on uh, Friday was crediting uh, Noah Harvey with being the heart of the defense from making the calls that set up the def- defensive line. So, yeah, I mean, and, and Simmons was a guy who was making plays on the edge. They utilized his speed. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these guys fit in the mix um, with Crouch, you know, with, with Harvey coming back and, and, you know, how they can maybe mix and match the skill sets for these guys to take over those responsibilities. And, and obviously the nickel comes in into the situation here. Um, but I think, you know, it all starts up right, you know, it's the defensive line that they, they want to build off of. Um, and that's where the strength is. Um, and, and just how, how this, these new guys fit in with all the tracers going out um, and some of the new guys coming in, how that, how that fits with what they want to do schematically. And, and it depends on who you're playing. I think we saw last year, um, I mean, the Iowa game, it is lined up and, and just ran the ball right down Michigan State's throat. And I think there were a lot of people scheme complaining about the scheme at that point in time and and, and you, know, you know that's a one game result but um yeah I, I just I you know it's a week-to-week thing I think based on what they want to do yeah I'm not sure it would match up well if they were playing like Air Force or somebody they might have to <laughs> adapt their defense a little bit there um but yeah I mean that I just think the talent level is 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 has been increased significantly so hopefully we see them hold their own against some of these teams in the big 10 that like to like to run the ball out which is pretty much all of them because that's sort of the big 10 way but uh let's move on to the secondary again another position group where a lot of unknown we got new guys coming in we've got freshmen coming in we got some some young guys last year like your boy angelo gross who saw some action um and i know i think we got a fun story about him at media days right some nickname or something but uh i mean how what's up with the secondary here again a big mixture 
Yes, uh, similar to the linebacker group, you know, where it's a lot of turnover and a lot of unknown. You know, a lot of guys leaving, a lot of guys coming in. So um, at corner, Kalen Gervin's your top guy returning. Angelo Gross, who Mel Tucker nicknamed the Sugar Weasel, um, which he didn't explain it. Um, I don't know that he really wants and you need to. I took it as a spinoff of Honey Badger. At least it certainly seemed like it. Um, he is now at free safety. Uh, Xavier Henderson, we were talking to him. On, uh, on Friday, he was raving about his tackling ability and how that's really what you need in the position. So um, with Gross being at safety now, which is where he worked in the spring, you got Gervin coming back. And then after that, it's really, I mean, that's, that's it. <laughs> I mean, he, he is the only scholarship cornerback on the roster who was on the roster last season, which is Man. pretty telling. Um, so uh, you have six transfers at corner coming in, um, five of them scholarship players. Uh, and when you, when you look at, well, and then, you know, the, and granted, this is a, some of these guys will move around. You could play, you know, they may be listed at corner. They could play Nick or they could play nickel, you know, or they could end up at safety. Like, uh, you know, Kendall Brooks, the, you know, division two transfer. He initially was listed at safety when he came in, he was listed at corner in the spring. I think he's now listed at DB and, uh, Xavier Henderson said he's working behind him at safety. So, you know, kind of you know, remember this is all in flux, but, uh, Gervin is obviously the top guy. And then after that, uh, Chester Kimbrough from Florida, uh, is, is a guy who's played over the last two seasons. Um, and then Ronald Williams from Alabama. He's, uh, you know, he was a Juco guy who stood out, um, got to, you know, transfer to Alabama. He, uh, had an arm injury that, that kept him off the field early last season. I think he only played in three games, but, um, he played at Alabama and Henderson was, was talking about him at length saying how, um, Smarty is knowing the defense and being able to adjust and saying, well, if you can play at Alabama, you know, that says something. And then after that, um, Kari Crump from Arizona and Marquis Lowry from Louisville are your other scholarship uh, cornerback transfers. Um, and they, but they, they were 2020 recruits who didn't play as true freshmen last season. So they're kind of, you know, just a little bit different category, although they could easily step up and compete. But um, so I think, you know, corner is pretty much wide open, like linebacker, Gervin's your returner there. And then it's just a mixture of transfers. And then the, um, you got two uh, 2021 corners coming in and Antoine Booth and Chuck Brantley. Um, then at safety, Henderson's back. He's your leader of the defense. He'll be a three-year starter. Um, I think you, and then the other spot is kind of up for grabs with um, Xavier Henderson. I'm sorry, Michael Dowell um, being probably a guy you'd see fit in as a starting safety, but he could also move over to nickel depending on what they want to do with that position. So um, yeah, it's really interesting to see how they want to make that, you know, that fit. Like you saw last season, well, Shakur Brown, you know, he comes in and he's the starting nickel right off the bat. And then they have some injuries at corner. He moves over to corner for the final uh, five games. You initially had um, Julian Barnett come in and start at, uh, at nickel at Iowa. That lasted five seconds and he was done. And then it was, um, then it was gross. So Again, this is kind of just a lot of a lot of different directions. They go a lot of bodies, and we're really going to have to get into the season to see how this really shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the position where you could see the most uh, fluctuating. I mean, we saw it last year. It was nearly constant change on the back end, who was playing where. And I think there's more talent back there now. So you've got all these guys. You know, Ronald Williams is, played, is from Alabama, and, you know, these guys from all these power conferences – 
but you got five spots back there. So it'll be interesting to see how they mix and match. But I, again, I suspect that's going to change a lot based on performance, but it seems like they have more dudes at this point, at least. So it's pretty impressive, particularly with this linebacker group. Well, we'll see, I guess. But with, with the linebacker group and the secondary, um, to just completely overhaul it in basically one offseason uh, is pretty wild. It's been pretty crazy to watch. I mean, to have one returning corner who played last year, I mean, obviously, I don't know. I'm not the Elias Sports Bureau, but I can't imagine there's a whole lot of teams at the Power 5 level that have had to deal with this much turnover in one position group. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot. Um, so I, I don't know how and, – and really, when you look at these guys, um, at linebacker um, and um, at, 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 in the defensive back room, these are guys that came in in May. So they weren't, they weren't spring practice guys. These are guys that are – they're going to have to get them up to speed in a hurry. Um, other than Brooks and Spencer Rowland, who's a walk-on corner from D3, um, they were with the team for, for spring practice. Everybody else is, is new. So how, how this all comes together quickly, um, that will be really interesting. But um, we did hear some positive things about these guys um, from both Mel Tucker and uh, Xavier Henderson was touching on them. Um, and, you know, I think that's it, it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> we know it's Xavier Henderson, right? We know we can lock him. Yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Xavier, uh, you know, we should, should touch on him a little bit more. He was, um, you know, I was very impressed with the way he handled himself at media days. Uh, very confident. Um, he gave us honest answers. <laughs> we talked to uh, last podcast about bringing guys up there that wouldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Xavier said some stuff, nothing bad. Just, he was, uh, he was very honest about it. Um, you know, about some things and was, it was pretty funny. So uh, yeah, he, and he, he just, you know, we're saying that, you know, he can get the extra year, um, you know, because last year, you know, didn't count. And he said, you know, I believe Mel would give it to him, let him come back, but that's not the plan. He wants to, he plans on being in the NFL next year. And, and the goal is for this to be it for him. So, um, confident and obviously knows he needs to, uh, just improve this year. Well, that's the secondary, obviously. I mean, I know we're doing a lot of spitballing and not giving a lot of specific answers here, but fall camp hasn't even started. And as Matt just said, a lot of these guys haven't even been in the fold very long. So, I mean, they're going to have to get on the field, uh, compete with each other. But the good thing is at safety and corner, it looks like there's going to be a lot of healthy competition in camp. And that's never a bad thing. So um, I I think you'll see a lot of guys on the field early on in the season until they kind of settle in. Um, So... We'll, uh, we'll wait and see, but let's, let's jump in. I mean, we're, we got some time here. We're going to jump into the last position preview, just a quick special teams corner with special teams enthusiast, Matt Wenzel. Uh, <laughs> we know Matt Coglin's coming back. Other than that, they were pretty atrocious last year in pretty much all aspects of special teams. So, you know, people can laugh about, oh, special teams, what does it matter? But any coach will tell you games are won and lost in special teams. So uh, I know this is an area Michigan State traditionally has done pretty well in, Lately, been a little bit more sketchy. Coglin's been up and down over his 14-year career at Michigan State. So, uh, Matt, how do you what's what's going on with special teams this year? Yeah, Coglin's back for a six-year. That led to um, Jack Olson, who was one of the top kickers in the 2020 class, didn't um, didn't play as true freshman last year. He transferred out to Northwestern. Um, so yeah, it's Coglin. He's the only player on the roster who's attempted a field goal or an extra point. So kicking's all on him. Uh, and, you know, he's one of the most accomplished guys and kickers in program history. He'll, he should be in line to break a bunch of those records this year. Cole Hahn is your other scholarship kicker, uh, kickoff specialist guy, but um, 
Coughlin actually took most of the kickoffs last year, so he could be at both spots again. Uh, Han is coming off a third knee surgery, I believe it is. Uh, he was not able to kick during spring practice, so we're not really sure where he's at physically. Um, but it's, so it's <laughs> Coughlin or bust pretty much at this point in time at kicker. Um, it seems like with Han maybe being able to do uh, some, play, uh, some kickoff stuff. Bryce Berenger is a returning punter. Uh, well, he's a walk-on guy. He punted in 18, wasn't with the team in 19, came back last year and was okay at times and, and, and shaky at others. But um, he's clearly the front runner in that room. They brought in a graduate transfer from Texas Tech and walk-on Cody Waddell. He's a bit of an unknown because he never, kicked, he never attempted a punt at Texas Tech. So, um, yeah, uh, they got a couple other walk-ons they brought on in, in, in um, at punter and, and – um, uh, kicker, um, guys that, you know, probably won't be part of the equation, but we'll see. Uh, long snapper should be Hank Pepper. He was a 2021 signee from Arizona, kind of a unique guy. Cause he was a, he was like their, like the district or the class, whatever, 5A, I don't remember what it was, uh, defensive player of the year as a linebacker. So pretty uh, talented kid and he's a scholarship guy. So he should have that position, you know, if he, assuming he can adjust very quickly and then the return game, Naylor and Reed were the guys last year. They were okay at best. They only had like four punt returns, Michigan State as a team. Um, and then, you know, just they, they didn't rank very well. They were middle, middle of the pack in, in returns for the most part, and they, their coverage units were pretty terrible. Uh, they gave up two punt returns one against, for touchdowns, one against Iowa, one against Penn State. They were one of the worst in the nation in, in punt return defense, and they weren't very good at uh, in kickoff coverage either. So, uh, though you got to clean up those the coverage units and uh, hope that Matt Coglin's reliable and um, your punting game is not does not cost you, uh, and that's pretty much what you're looking at this year. Yeah, and it, I mean, I, don't, I think people don't think about that when it comes to special teams, the return games or the the coverage even more so because it's just you know let's face it, it's boring. People, the casual football fans, not looking at who's covering punts and kickoffs. But I mean, that's a field position thing that can play into the game quickly. I wonder maybe if with more depth and more, more of these guys mixing in and or at least what we perceive to be more talented depth, maybe that can help on some of these coverage teams because. That's usually, you know, where some of the backup guys can fit in is on coverage units, although I have seen Michigan State use starters on special teams in the past before, too. So uh, maybe they can clean some things up that way by having some more uh, guys. Yeah, and, we, you know, uh, special teams coordinator Ross Ells said it right after he was hired. You know, everybody is going to be asked to contribute on special teams. You're not going to have your starting quarterback out there by any means, but – you know, we saw Antoine Simmons roll the snaps he plays and how important he was. He was out there running around special teams. You saw a lot of guys out there. So, I, you know, yeah, I think this is, you know, a situation where everybody's available for the most part and you need to, you need to be a lot better than you were last year. Kyle, you've been quiet. I know we're talking about football, but I mean, we just wrapped up our position previews. Uh, we've, I know you, I doubt you were on vacation listening to me and Matt, but I mean, do you have any thoughts on as fall camp gets ready to get going here? What are you looking for? Uh, I have no. I have, well, for, I have no special teams thoughts to add. I think Matt covered that uh, <laughs> thoroughly, as always. Um, but no, I mean it's just. I, I mean, there's always intrigue with fall camp, but uh, I can't think of. There would have been more anyway with a new coach, but just with so many new faces, like, um, like to me, like there's there's a lot more uncertainty this year in, in a time where there's always uncertainty, and I think for Michigan State fans, that can mean a lot of hope if a lot of these guys pan out. Um, 
you could take the other side too and say, man, that's a lot of pieces that have to come together and fit together well. Um, you know, so it's um, the, the range I see for this team is maybe a little bit wider um, than most. And there's a lot of directions I could see it going. I mean, some of those late D'Antonio years, it felt like things were kind of feeling preordained. You know, you could look at the roster and look at the schedule and um, it felt like you knew what was coming, but um, it, it's a little different now. You know, I'm not sure they've made up the talent gap, but I think they've done everything that they can. Um, and, and it's, it's a little bit more intriguing for me at this time of year than some previous times. Well, definitely it's worth noting. It's also worth noting that Michigan state was picked to finish last in the big 10 East by a comfortable margin in a poll conducted by cleveland.com of fellow media members. Um, I voted in it, uh, full disclosure. I did not vote them last. I actually picked Michigan State fifth. But um, it is interesting to see that. I, I was a little surprised that there was that big of a gap that had, that had them at the bottom. But, again, this is a team with, you know, five of its lo- all five of its losses last year were by double digits, and you don't really know what you're going to get in the fall. So um, I kind of understand it, but was a little surprised. Michigan State players didn't really have much to say about that. For the most part, there were no – fiery declarations about proving everybody wrong that I heard. So, um, but either way, the expectations for a lot of people are, are not very high this season. Yeah. Most of the preview magazines I'm reading have them last too. Who'd you pick to win the West? Uh, I picked Wisconsin. Okay. So it was, it was a toss up Wisconsin and Iowa. I thought it was one or the other Northwestern behind them. If I remember right. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I've been listening to some college football pods and stuff, and the CBS guys were talking about Miami's schedule win totals yesterday, and they, they called Michigan State the, the great wild card this year because I think a lot of people feel that way. They could be dreadful. Maybe Mel's just a, a miracle worker, and with the talent influx, it all gels, and they're better than people think. I mean, I think we're not really going to know until they're thrown into the fire on that first game at Northwestern. But for people like us who cover the team and watch it, uh, you know, religiously or, you know, for a job, uh, <laughs> it's exciting, I think, because we don't know which way it could go. There's a lot of new guys who could step up, and it's certainly going to be interesting to watch. So, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. It was good to get back on here again. Sorry if we kind of cut out here or there. I was having we're having some internet issues today, but hopefully it all came together enough and uh, it's uh, digestible. So um, appreciate everyone for listening. Fall camp starts next week. Uh, you can go back and listen to all our previous preview episodes if you want. And uh, Matt, have they let you know if you're going to be able to? get any access to these guys or players through fall camp? My understanding we will, but nothing has been finalized that I've been told of. So um, it's a little more than a week out, so we'll see. But I mean, everybody was in person on Thursday and Friday. There swarm of people around the, the field at, at Lucas Oil. Uh, granted, there was a nice rope that kept us away from the sta- away from the little individual podiums, but um, it's my understanding we will, but see all right well hopefully because uh we need some news (laughs) but uh that's gonna do it for today's episode please like rate and review the podcast if you can check out our work on mlive.com slash spartans and hit us up on twitter if you got any questions um but until next time for matt wenzel and kyle austin i'm brandon champion thanks for listening and go green